Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Tonight's episode is brought to you by the lovely folks at Built Bar. Purveyors have a wonderful alternative, softer, more candy bar-like protein bar in comparison to the usual crap you're used to. Built Bars taste good and are good for you. If you want a cheeky $10 off your first order, use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout when you order at BuiltBar.com. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. On tonight's episode, we're going to be revisiting our wonderful little draft redo of sorts. I believe we are on 2018, which is one of the few drafts that the Jets do not have a first-round pick. But before we get there, I thought I would spend some time talking about some of the recent developments in the hockey community about the whole George Floyd protests Um, and how the NHL has really reacted. It's been about a week, and I'll apologize for not uploading a little bit sooner. I've I've just not really had a whole lot of energy to think about sports, and I think a lot of people are kind of in the same boat. Uh, The last week and a half has just been... uh, I don't really know how to put it in words. I I think it's really hard to describe the emotions that we all feel, and I know that I I don't really know what to think of everything because um, there are some basic truths amidst all of this, and yet I myself am having a really hard time enunciating and and really expressing how I feel about things because there's just so much going on. Um, Things are really chaotic, and I I feel like it's hard to know exactly what is happening on the ground in these situations. That said, a number of NHLers have actually really come forward and given some really thoughtful statements. Some of them are are a little bit copy-paste. I know that Tyler Sagan put out a statement about needing to be somebody who listens more and takes more action and really considers the issue because you know, as a white, rich hockey player, a lot of these realities of being a person of color, especially in dealing with, you know, police brutality and police interactions, these are very distant considerations for him. But he said, you know, unfortunately, for a long time, I wasn't there for the community, and I wasn't listening to people of color like I needed to. And I think that he was blind to the realities, which, when you're a a rich white athlete, and you don't have a lot of, of friends of color who deal with these things on a regular basis, you're surrounded by people who are just like you, it is to a point understandable why you might not know what's going on. That said, I do have to say that we live in the information age, and it's not like a couple of years ago Colin Kaepernick didn't take a knee and ended up getting blacklisted from the NFL, while the rest of his colleagues in the NFL also showed their support for him. That definitely happened, and actually quite a few NHL personalities made comments about it, usually against Kaepernick in this case, because they thought that he was disrespecting the flag. Nowadays, I think that people are really starting to understand that Kaepernick's point, regardless of whether you agree with his methods, was always spot on. What we're seeing right now in the way that the police have reacted in light of everything, you know, in each of the cities and a lot of the incidents that they're having, you know, there's there's a lot of reform that's going to have to come out of this. And I think that it's going to be a very complicated process. But by the same token, you also have to have community involvement and especially those in positions of power. People might ask, you know, why would you have an athlete or a pro, you know, like a pro athlete or, or an actor or an actress or any other person who's not explicitly a politician make some kind of a statement? And my take on it is, sure, look, brands, athletes, actors and actresses, famous people and celebrities and influencers, I get it. I know that you think that their words are hollow, and in many cases they have been in the past, but these are people with money and resources. Maybe this time, if you really listen to them and give them a chance to express themselves, they will lend you support in ways that they previously haven't. And and actually, uh, Tyler Sagan was at one of the protests the other day. 
he not only said he wanted to listen to more about what Black Lives Matter had to say, he went there and took direct action, which I think is very impressive. I mean, look, it's impressive by pro-rich athlete standards, right? Especially white hockey players. For most people like us, we would be like, oh, you know, that's the least that you can do. But for somebody of his background and of his particular disposition, and especially being kind of somebody who is newer to the movement, it's understandable that this is actually a pretty significant development. You know, you contrast that with Braden Holpe, who had a very strong statement that he put out the other day. You know, Holpe has always been with it. He's always been socially conscious. You know, he's always there at pride parades. He's a very active member of the DC community and supports a lot of the social justice things that go on. For me, what he said was not surprising at all, and I believe he made some kind of donation. Um, but a lot of people were surprised when Tom Wilson actually put out a statement and then made two donations himself which I think folks really weren't expecting. Everything I've ever heard about people interacting with Tom is that he's a totally different person off the ice. You know, regardless of what he does on the ice, as like a moral situation in terms of who he is as a human being, I have never really had doubts about him. Everything I've heard is that he's a very nice, courteous person, and he seems to be very thoughtful, and certainly he made very uh, notable donations to a couple of community organizations working against uh, racism and social injustices. There were a few statements that I, I, I wasn't really uh, super thrilled with, and I feel like Las Vegas, St. Louis, and the Islanders all kind of took L's on this one because they acknowledged that George Floyd's death was tragic to some degree, but a lot of them didn't really talk about what happened. They then thanked law enforcement and, and tried to do both sides. I think in a situation like this, you really can't do both sides because it basically looks disingenuous. If you won't even acknowledge that George Floyd's death was police brutality, which there's no real argument that it was, and then you go on to thank law enforcement, people are just going to think that you're kind of being two-faced and lying, right? So it's, it's not really a good look, and it's not sending a particularly good message to the public. I, I hate to say it, but this is one of those situations where if you're going to come out and say something, you need to pick a side. I, I think that there's no real in-between here because you're either you know, on the side of the protesters or you're on the side of law enforcement and, I guess, by extension, the government. There is room for a middle ground down the road, and, and we do need to work together as partners in figuring out how to reform things, fix things, and make law enforcement more a, a member of the community and not against it. But right now, what people need to hear and what people need to know is that there's recognition that black voices in America have been silenced. And not just in America, around the world. This is happening everywhere, although not probably not to the same degree as it's happening here in the U.S. But, but certainly, you know, and it's one of those situations. I know NHL teams are, are kind of in tough here, and a couple of players have had kind of lukewarm statements that look more or less copy-pasted from somebody else that they saw. I get it. But I think that what we really need to see are some actions and donations and support of local community organizations, because those are the groups that are going to be carrying the dialogue and trying to fix things for people. Healing America's wounds is going to take grassroots efforts from everyone. You know, rich athletes, politicians, famous celebrities, ordinary citizens like you and I, everyone. It's going to be a huge effort, and it's going to be many, many years of, of, of slow progress, if it even happens. I will say, though, that the stuff that I've seen from some of the NHL players is really impressive, and I'm happy, and I hope it continues, not just now, but in the future, because we're not going to be done with these issues in a couple of years. It's going to be something that probably goes on for the rest of our lives, and we need to be prepared to fight for it. Having some powerful allies in this fight would be more than, more than helpful at this point. 
Earlier on in the show, I did mention that today's episode was sponsored by Built Bar, and I'll tell you a little bit more about them. Built Bar are a really nice alternative to the usual dry and boring protein bars you're probably used to. I know that I, I usually eat protein bars for breakfast and stuff, especially on like a gym workout day. And what I find is that a lot of them are very crunchy and sort of chemically and unappetizing. Built Bar offers an alternative that's more like a candy bar. It's got a nice, soft, chewy interior and a variety of flavors that you can choose from, including a couple of new ones. I think they have between like 15 and 20 flavors. And if you're uh, somebody with nut allergens, they have eight or so nut-free flavors. So Built Bar's got your back if you have any sort of need or, or dietary restriction. They taste good, and they're also good for you. Most of them coming in at under 150 calories with less than 5 grams fat and around 30% of your daily protein intake. You won't find many protein bars with a better balance of nutritional value and health benefits. If you want to give them a shot, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout at BuiltBar.com before you place your order for $10 off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Apologies for the, the more serious talk, but I think we're all kind of thinking the same thing in that there are some things right now that are more important than sports, but... I've, I've kind of talked about it, at least for this episode enough. I'll probably have some updates as we go on over the next couple of weeks. But I will kind of switch to our, our 2018 redraft, which Winnipeg did not have that many picks. Uh, and in fact, they actually had like two picks in the first uh, four rounds, which is pretty surprising when you think about the Jets. They traded some of these picks away, though, on their playoff runs, especially the one against the Vegas Knights, or, you know, when they went to the conference finals. So it is understandable why they might not have all that many resources for this particular draft. All that said, the Jets did start off in round two at number 60 overall, and they drafted David Gustafson. And I think right off the bat, David Gustafson, absolutely the right pick here. I don't know that there's somebody who is going to have the kind of upside and be as good of a player as as Gustafson is. Gus was actually somebody who at one point was more like a, um, I would say like a mid to late first round pick, but I think a lot of people had questions about his offensive upside. What we did find is if you look into Gustafson's numbers and the way that he was deployed, a lot of times he was actually used as like a dominant, mature, two-way defensive center and often given, especially when he was younger, like bottom six minutes. As he's gotten older and assumed more responsibilities at the, uh, well, both at the, I think the Swedish hockey level, um, which he was with uh, HVA 71 Jankoping, I think that's how you pronounce that, uh, you know, he, he ended up coming overseas and had a little bit of an early rough spell with the Jets. And this is not surprising. I mean, he's on new ice, he's playing against much more developed players, and, you know, in training camp you saw signs of what Gustafsson could be which is a really, really smart two-way center with some excellent vision and passing. There were some shades of like a really physical, really strong Nick Backstrom type of player, although, you know, maybe the offense wasn't quite there in the shooting we haven't seen a whole lot of. His edge work is kind of like okay so far. Not like, not bad, just not high-end skating, and it's one of the things that people have said is probably holding him back. That said, Gustafson, you know, over the past couple of months has been really good with the Manitoba Moose. I think the Jets drafted their future second-line center, and I think that what he's going to bring to this team is a really stabilizing anchor down the middle, especially um, on that second line, which we've had not really a, a top-end, you know, top-six center to anchor that unit. While everyone does have, you know, obviously a very fond memories of, of Brian Little running things with Ladd and Wheeler, that version of Brian Little isn't around anymore, and unfortunately with his most recent injury, I, I don't even know if we're going to see him again. 
he's been rehabbing for months and there's no uh, certainly no indication that he's any bit closer than he was before at least not public knowledge maybe he's you know rehabbing fine and eventually he'll get back on the ice but it's just not something that I would be banking on right now Gustafson, you know, while he has had a bit of an adjustment period in the NHL, I do think that once he starts to mature his game and and really attune to North American ice, especially at like the AHL level, I think this kid's going to be special. Everything seems to point to him being a, a really good top six forward. Somebody described his game as potentially being Miko Koivu-esque, you know, maybe during Koivu's prime, but I, I think we're we're looking at like a fusion of Adam Lowry and Nick Backstrom, which if that's what the Jets get at 60th overall in Gustafson, you are just, you're, you're winning on house money, man. You're playing with house money all the way. The second pick of this draft is a lot harder to analyze, and that's because at number 91st overall in the third round, the Jets selected Nathan Smith. And Nathan is a really hard player to get a read on. I like his first start to the NH, or like to the, um, college level. I think that his NCAA performance has been pretty good. In his first season as a 21-year-old with Minnesota State University of Mankato, he's got 27 points in 35 games. Now, he is 21. He's on the older side, so it's a little bit hard. He's like a he's like a late blooming blooming prospect with a very interesting story as like a roller hockey player. So, I don't know. It's hard to get a read on him. When the Jets drafted him, he was somebody who displayed a lot of amazing tools incredible edge work, um, really, really good stick handling, and some skills that maybe translate to the NHL. Uh, if everything pans out, he would be a very interesting offensive talent. Does he project as like a middle sixer? Maybe? I don't know. He doesn't really have a huge track record. I mean, he was pretty good for Cedar Rapids, and they were like an average team in the USHL, but um, I don't know. It's hard to get a read on him because he doesn't have a prolific track record yet. But if the Jets scout selected him, I trust their American scouts almost intimately. So if the Jets were to draft some players in his place, there were two names that I would maybe reach for, although you could probably get away with not reaching so much because these guys were drafted a bit later when they were taken. For a guy the Jets could have snagged a little bit earlier uh, than he was taken at 100th overall, Adam Masherin might have been an inter- interesting pick. He's a pretty, I think, a, a more physical player. Very good goal scorer, at least at the AHL level. I know Masherin getting drafted out of the Kitchener Rangers ended up kind of being something of a frustration for Jets fans. He had a very good first season with the Texas Stars, 44 points in 75 games. This year, his scoring rates kind of took a notable step back. Maybe the team is not as good, but he's a big left wing. Um, Not exactly tall, but very strong and, and kind of stocky. He could be that really physical winger that you need to get, you know, get into to tight scoring spaces and score greasy goals as like a middle six forward. I also would have had some serious interest in Trey Fix Wolanski, but who, he's a, he's a much later pick, so I might kind of hold off on getting to him now. Um, but Fix Wolanski, we'll talk about a little bit later. He had 26 points in 43 games in his first season, like first full season with the Monsters. Um, well, I guess we can't really call it full because it was canceled halfway. But again, pretty good rookie year. Uh, outside of an early couple of playoff games last season. Just like it's hard to draft players and find what you need, so too is it hard to actually find all of the car parts that you need. If you're struggling to figure out what make your car is, what year it is, what part you're even looking for, you know, it gets to be a dizzying amount of factors and variables to consider. We're all in quarantine, so it's not like it's particularly easy to go out to the auto repair store and find what you need. Why add a bunch of hassle when you can just go on to rockauto.com, where you can find exactly what you need and spend even less than what you're already paying. You could save 30%, 50%, or even 100% of the total cost against buying retail 
at rockauto.com. Looking for a fuel pump assembly for a 2010 Honda Odyssey at 350 bucks in store? RockAuto.com has it for 216. That's over 100 bucks in total savings. RockAuto.com stocks everything you need from central control modules, brake parts, tail lights, motor oil, even new carpets. You can even filter your car make, model, year, specifications, brands, and prices you're looking for on the replacement parts for your trusty steed. Log on to RockAuto.com to browse their easy to navigate, robust selection of car parts, and if you place an order, be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We're now getting into the weeds on these picks, and Winnipeg actually didn't pick again until round 5, 150th overall and 153rd overall for two players who at the time actually had a surprisingly similar player profile. Uh, Winnipeg ended up getting Declan Chisholm first and Giovanni Velotti second. Now Chisholm looks like the real deal. Dude just signed his entry-level contract, and he's an amazingly gifted offensive defenseman and a lefty, I believe. Velotti is another talented offensive defenseman drafted out of Kitchener, although I would say that his uh, his development track hasn't nearly been as impressive as Chisholm. Declan is like a, a potential top four player. Velotti looks more like a third pairing guy so far, but again, we kind of need to see a bit more from him. I'm not sure if Gio has actually signed his contract yet. I, I totally forget. Uh, but let's just say that the Jets had these two picks. I would definitely keep Declan. I think that Declan is absolutely a steal, especially in the fifth round. For your second fifth round pick, this is when I might consider taking Trifix Wolanski. I think Wolanski plays a very valuable role, and if you get somebody with his potential scoring prowess and uh, potentially his uh, his middle six, I would say, ceiling, I, I think that, especially in the fifth round, another scoring winger for the Jets would be great. The Jets then picked in round one or round six at 184 overall Jared Moe. And I, I'm kind of like mixed on this because the Jets are actually starting to find a lot of uh, a lot of goalies in their system. Um, Mo, I, I hear, is a pretty good goalie from the Waterloo Blackhawks. Not a huge fan of his. Uh, personal views aside, I, I, I just think that you know he is a great goalie, uh, and all of the numbers look to be very good for his. I think his college performance. It's just that like the whole package for me, I'm just kind of like, eh, yeah, eh. eh. I just don't know how I feel about all, especially like his personal views kind of, I know I, I said I wanted to ignore that, but you kind of can't with this, especially some of the stuff that he kind of likes and, and, and believes. So not really sure how I feel about him. Would I have drafted somebody else? Um, you could give Liam Kirk and Dmitry Zavgorodny some time. If you're okay with your goalie depth, you've got two offensively gifted wingers. Now Liam is kind of the more interesting one on a personal level, just because Liam came out of the EIHL which is the Sheffield Steelers team, uh, and the EIHL is, is um, a European ice hockey league in England. They play in the Champions Hockey League pretty frequently, so, uh, you know, Liam definitely comes out of a unique system, and he's probably the most talented player that England has produced in a very long time. Zavgorodny is another interesting punt because he's a very undersized winger, and this is probably why Calgary picked him. When he was with Ramuski, he had pretty impressive scoring numbers. I mean, again, this team, I think... I don't remember if they had Lafreniere at this time. I think Zavgaradny predates him a little bit. But Dimitri is very gifted. Undersized, very crafty, good skater. Nasty little shot. Hard to say if his game would actually translate at the professional level. But at the very least, his offensive numbers over the past few seasons have been pretty good. And at age 19, he's pacing one of his best offensive seasons he's had with Ramuski. He's already got more points than he had last season in 27 less games. So... 
all in all, he's looking at a pretty good season so far. Winnipeg's last pick of the draft, which I believe was like third from the very final pick, it was Austin Wong, and I actually like Wong's potential a lot. He has very interesting playing styles in that he's very physical, very strong, uh, but he's also got an underrated offensive skill set. He does take a lot of penalty minutes because, again, he plays with a pretty hard edge, and he's, I would probably say, like a Tom Wilson type of player. If you're looking for edgy and physical, but, uh, you know, technically gifted and with some underrated shooting, skating, and passing, Austin Wong is definitely one of your long-term project players. I think that he has interesting potential, and we'll see if he develops into anything useful for the Jets. That more or less wraps up our 2018 draft, which is probably one of the ones that I didn't know as much about, especially considering the fact that the Jets at that stage were trying to win, you know, win now rather than drafting and, and hoping for high-end first-round picks. Tomorrow's episode's going to wrap up with the uh, this series and go into 2019, and we'll see how that draft was. And then I would say on, on Sunday we might take a look a little bit at 2020's draft class, see if there's anything that the Jets could use. I'm not sure where we're going to even be picking yet, uh, so I, I can't really speak to that, but we'll look at some of the top 30, maybe top 40 prospects and see if there are any intriguing names that we should keep an eye on. Hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode. As always, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Before you log off, be sure to listen to our Locked On National Podcast, hosted by Sarah Avampado. Thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!